everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Dave Pash Podcast. I'm your host, ESPN and Arizona Cardinals play-by-play announcer Dave Pash. Our guest this week is first-year Arizona Cardinals head coach Jonathan Gannon. Some great summer listening for Cardinal fans to get you ready for the 2023 season. We'll talk with JG about some of his coaching philosophies, some of the people that have mentored him over the years, what to expect from the Cardinals' defense in 2023. We'll also get player-specific. We'll talk about Kyler Murray, as well as some of the young players like Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins. I think they need to be impact players for us, and that's how we're treating them. Both of those guys are extremely intelligent, so everyone sees the physical skill set, but they don't know what they have in their brain. And that's what excites me the most about those two guys is their brain. We'll also talk about the Cardinals' first-round draft pick, Paris Johnson, what to expect from some of the young players this season, and we'll also get into his assistant coaches and the two coordinators he hired in the offseason and what Cardinal fans should look for in 2023. We are presented by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Resorts and Casinos. Sign up today with BetMGM, the official partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Use code CARDS1000 and get back up to $1,000 in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Arizona only. New customer offer? Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. All right, time for our conversation with new Cardinals head coach, Jonathan Gannon. So... You introduce yourself as Jonathan Gannon, but everybody calls you JG. What do you prefer? Is it Coach Gannon? Is it John? Jonathan? It's definitely not John. Um, Yeah, I mean, some guys call me Coach Gannon, but I go by JG. It's easy and quick, and to me, I'm one of the guys, so JG's a pretty good title for me, I think. And was that something that uh, everybody called you when you were playing and stuff? It was. was this at Louisville? It was, yeah, because I, I didn't – honestly, I don't like John. So Jonathan, Jonathan, three syllables, kind of longer. So it just turned into JG. <laughs> JG, get over here. So, <laughs> Well, you got some energy, man. I met you briefly with Michael, uh, I don't know, that was two or three months ago. But um, I, I, I could tell when you came into the studio, I could hear you down the, <laughs> down the way a little bit uh, yelling out to Tim Delaney, our, our boss. So yeah. uh, you got some energy, man, which has uh, is, is been contagious and infectious. I've heard a lot of guys talk about that. Have you had a chance to kind of get settled into the Valley? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, my crew's out here, just got out here last weekend, Memorial Day weekend, and um, waiting for the house to get kind of done. But uh, really enjoyed the city. The times I haven't been out a lot, but... I like to go explore restaurants, and I think that the city has some good things to offer and excited to be here, really. So it's good to get the crew here. They start school in August or yeah. whatever, the older two. But uh, really, honestly, really excited to, for a new city. You know, a lot of people talk about coaching. Well, one of the negatives is you move around. And my first year in the NFL was 2007. I've been on seven NFL teams. I always kind of thought it was a positive. I liked living in new cities and and then when people call you, hey, we're going for a you know a bachelor party in Nashville. Oh, I lived there for two years. Where are you guys going? You know what I mean? Make sure you go to this spot or whatever it is. So I like that we've lived in some different places. Do you have a, a spot picked out yet, like a regular spot you guys go to? Uh, not not so much yet. I've been to some good places, though, up kind of around um, the fashion mall right there. I like Francine. Like Nobu, like uh, Steak 44. So I'm you're going, picking all the expensive I'm places. Going, I'm good. going to Ocean 44 uh, nice. in a week or two. So the Henry, 
I like the Henry a lot. There. The Henry's cool for breakfast. I haven't been okay. there for dinner, but uh, I like the Henry. I went after church one Sunday morning. It was packed. I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. Are people starting to recognize you, or can you pretty much go in and nobody says anything to you? Uh, it depends where you go, but you you do get the recognition of, oh, hey, you're the new coach. You know what I mean? Good luck. Go Cards, you know. Um, it's cool. I kind of like to stay under the radar anyhow, but um, – Hopefully we start winning, get this thing rolling, you can't go anywhere. So obviously I want to talk a lot about you as a coach and philosophy and some of the things you've done in your career, but I want to go back to growing up. You grew up in Cleveland, right? Mm -hmm. Football, basketball, track, three-sport guy? Correct. Yep. Who were your teams growing up, Browns, Cavs? You know, whoever. I was a front runner, okay. whoever was winning, honestly. Um, really, I was a huge Charles Woodson fan, right kind of the end of grade school, high school. So he was a Michigan guy, so yeah. I was kind of always pulling for Michigan, even though I was on house, you know, Ohio guy. But, um, you know, honestly, who was ever winning? You know, I, I concentrated more on the players than the teams, I think. And you played football at Louisville, I know, until you had a, a career-ending injury. But mm -hmm. did you look at going elsewhere? Did you think about could you play basketball or done track? Yeah, I could have yeah, yeah, played. Uh, so my sophomore year, the, the head basketball coach at my high school and the head football coach hit me down and they say, uh, you know, J.G., you can go to a Division One school and play basketball. You can go to a Division One school and play football. You're not going to go to the NBA you have a chance to go to the NFL. So their pitch to me was stop playing AAU basketball and start running track. So that's when I really started. I started to run track after my going into my, I guess, after my sophomore year, my sophomore year. And uh, I lost my jump shot, but I got faster. So um, I kind of, I, I knew probably football was my, you know, highest ceiling, I think. And uh, that's what I did. So I had a couple different offers to play pretty good offers to play Division One football. I picked Louisville because they were the one offer that was going to allow me to play DB because I played both ways in high school. A lot of teams wanted me to play receiver, and I kind of wanted to play DB, so that's one of the reasons I picked Louisville. And Bobby Petrino was the head coach, right? John L. Smith. John L. Smith, yeah, okay. Yeah, so I played for John L. Smith, got redshirted, played my redshirt freshman year. That's when I got hurt, my the 10th game there, but we were good that year. For John Allen, he took a Michigan State head coaching job. Right. Bobby Petrino comes. He was the offensive coordinator at the time at Auburn. Yeah. So he comes, and then uh, so, but I never really played for Bobby. I I sat out that next year, and then I tried to go through the following spring ball, and I couldn't, you know, couldn't function. And that's kind of when I started student assistant coaching. And um, Bobby sat me down. He's like, "Have you ever thought about coaching?" And I was like, "Well, yeah, but I wanted to play ten years in the NFL and then coach at my high school in Cleveland." He says, well, you're not going to do that. So I said, thank you. And uh, <laughs> so he really he really gave me my first job, my first yeah. start, you know what I mean? And I was kind of submerged in, and, and Bobby was a, I mean, a very detailed, disciplined guy and, I mean, a mastermind of offense. So, um, and I obviously was on defense, but it was cool. It was a cool transition for me. I was down about not being able to play, but it was like, okay, I'm going to dive all into this. So then I started student assistant when I graduated, made me the defensive GA. My first year as defensive GA, we were top five in the country, and he took the Atlanta Falcons head job and brought me with him. So I was in the NFL at 24, and um, that's how I got my start. I remember uh, my first college football game for ESPN. I was actually on um, Harry Douglas's radio show oh, yeah. last week, and we were yeah. talking a little bit about uh, covering him, but then also uh, we were talking about the NBA playoffs. But 
uh, talking about covering him and then mentioned to him, I remember 2004, it was a Sunday night game against Kentucky. Mm-hmm. It was the first game of the season. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember. I don't yeah. know, you were there then, yeah, obviously. I was there, yeah. As a, uh, as a GA. Yeah. Uh, Coach Petrino, uh, I always felt, and I know there's you know other things that uh, have happened uh, off the field that uh, you know he's already spoken of and had to answer for, but in terms of like as a football mind, he's incredibly respected. What was like your biggest takeaway from being around him and and from a football perspective in terms of how maybe he shaped you yeah. as a coach? Yeah, really good question, Dave. He, I mean, the details of a play, and it was like it was the first, you know, because you're as a player, you really don't, you know, but you don't know. And I remember sitting in a staff meeting and him talking about outside zone out of 12 personnel, like trips wing. And I'm like, wow, that is like, I don't, I don't have a clue what football is. <laughs> and just the different ways to attack defenses and leverages and number counts and IDs in the run game. It was like, whoo, you know, it just exploded my brain. But um, he obviously has been a head coach at a lot of different places for a long time and has, and has always had success, good teams, always good offenses. And uh, we used to laugh with Bobby at Louisville, the offense was always better than the defense. I said, because he stole all the good players and put them on <laughs> offense, you know what I mean? Harry Douglas, you sure. know, he should have been playing corner, but he goes and has a career being a receiver in the NFL. Oh, but yeah. uh, it's uh, it was it was really, that, that kind of shaped my mind of just how detailed you have to be if you want to be a good coach. And um, and I'm still working on that part of my game to this day. You know what I mean? But that was like it was like a master class of footwork and leverage and hand placement. And it was like, wow, there's a lot of stuff going on each play. You know that that fans really don't know. You know how would they know? Sure. But you know, I think there was an appreciation from me that there's a lot that goes into this job. It's funny that you say that. So. Uh, and I brought this guy up a, a couple times uh, on this podcast, uh, Urban Meyer, who I, I worked with in between Florida and Ohio State. He was my booth partner, him and Chris Spielman. Uh, w- uh, we had a three-man booth together. And I remember I used to watch film all the time, like in preparation for games. And he said to me one time, he's like, well, what are you looking at? When you're watching film, what are you looking at? And I said, well, I'm just kind of watching the players. For me, for my job, play-by-play, I'm not as focused on zone defense and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But anyway, after working with him, I stopped watching film. Because I realized it wasn't doing me any good because I had no idea yeah. what the call was, no yeah. idea what certain individuals. And that's one thing I think about football that most people don't understand is players, there's so many things that go into a play, responsibilities that a player has, or maybe they misheard something or something that you prepared for changed, right? I mean, it, and no, as a no. coach, and I got to think in the NFL, your brain's constantly going, thinking about, okay, if yeah. they do this, how do we do this? And how mu- who else were some of your influences as a coach that got you kind of to this point? Yeah, I mean, you know, right from the jump when we went to Atlanta, the defensive coordinator was Mike Zimmer for Bobby, and the DB coach was Emmett Thomas. And so long-time NFL guys, both had coordinated, both were DB coaches. I would say those two from the start, just about DB play and, and philosophy of how to play defense with Coach Zimmer. And then I, you know, then I went and scouted for a couple of years after that, and then I got back into coaching. I was quality control in Tennessee, and Jerry Gray was a coordinator. And it was a kind of a different philosophy than Zim. And there's a lot of ways to to play defense, you know, out there that can be successful. 
And that was kind of cool because it was like, oh, wow, like there's different ways you can do this. And there's, you know, here, look at the advantages of doing it like this. And then I got back with Zim. And the thing about coaching is, is pretty cool. I think the best coaches are curious. And what I mean by that is, is just because I believe something or something has worked or, you know, I'm, I'm convicted about this technique or this style of defense, like there is always change every year. I think the best coaches are adaptable and they, they like, they, they're curious, they watch tape, they talk to people, they ask questions, they watch more tape, they talk to the players. It's like, hey, this is how we've always done it, but what if we could do it like this? Like, what if we just added this or what if we took out this? And I, when I got back with Zim, which so 2007, 2014, so seven years in between there, and it was like there's a couple things that, that were the same, but then there are some other things as he was a defense coordinator from Atlanta. He went to Cincinnati and had all those good defenses with Marvin Lewis. And it was like, wow, like, Zim, I thought you said this is the way to play it. And he was like, yeah, I've changed. Here's why. And then he'd show you the tape. So it was, it was always kind of cool to me. Like, that kind of hit me. And, you know, like I said, then I, you know, went to Indy, and Matt Eberflus was the coordinator under Frank Reich. And he came up a different style of defense. He was a longtime coordinator in college and then was in Dallas for a couple of years. And he was under some different coordinators. And we played a significantly different style of defense in Indy than we did in, in Minnesota. And that was pretty cool for me because that was kind of my first true position, first DB job that I had because I was an assistant DB coach for Zim. And um, I had to kind of learn on the run. And I would ask Flew things, you know, hey, like, how do you want this being played? How do you see this being played? And he gave me a lot of autonomy, like, here's what I need out of the call. You get it done. And I had to study. Like, it wasn't like, oh, here's your manual. Go, go teach this. You know what I mean? Anyone can really do that. It was like, all right, how do I make this make sense? You know, how do I make it clear for the players? What can we execute? We got to change your leverage here. You got to do this. You got to do that. And uh, that was really cool for me. And I really felt like that style of defense for three years. Then when I became a coordinator in Philly, I kind of meshed what I liked off of both of them. And there are some similarities between the two, but there are some significant differences too. And I was like, man, well, if we can do this, then why can't we do that, you know? And then also with saying that, I was always in a four-down system. Flu and Zim were four-down guys. Jerry was a four-down guy. And you start to see, like, here's the good things about playing four-down all the time. But here are some downfalls of playing four down all the time. You start to talk to offensive guys. Hey, how do you attack Zim? How do you attack Flu? How do you attack Jerry? You know, how do you attack four down teams and mix downs, pass downs, this and that? And you start to talk to offensive guys. And that led me to think, okay, I need to start studying some 3-4 teams. So I started studying some 3-4 teams. And then I started reaching out to people that knew the ins and outs of 3-4 defense. So when I got to Philly, you know, they asked, hey, what scheme are you going to run? You know, and I said, I really don't have one. And it, that was true. I know, yeah, we have a scheme. We have a way to play defense. But my point to that was is you got to be able to – certain offenses that you go against, You, if you only have four down, you know, there are some hard downs that are going to go on. If you only play three down, there are some hard downs that are going to go on. So I always thought, like, hey – it's all about the players. It doesn't matter the scheme or anything sure. like that. It's the execution and what the players are doing. But, hey, if we can align our people differently versus different people to get them in advantageous positions, we should be able to do that. And um, that's kind of where we're at right now, you know, and that's how we kind of played in Philly. And, and taking over Philly, 
Jim Schwartz was a coordinator who was a four-down guy. And that team was four down for a long time, and there was really good elements of four down. We played more four down than three down. But I thought the three down stuff, it took a little bit of time to get kind of grooving where we wanted it to be, but it was good for us, you know what I mean? And I think that helped us play good defense. So what you're saying is you, you don't have a dogmatic approach, like I'm going to do it no. this way. No. And there are obviously guys that are no. like that, and it's hard to survive yeah. anymore in the NFL you, doing it. You can, you know what I mean? You can, but I, uh, you know, I use the phrase adapt or die, man. You know, the game's changing, the players are changing, you know, like, I mean, even you got a, a seven or eight year vet and a rookie coming in, like they're different people. You know what I mean? They they play football differently. That that eight to ten year gap of age difference for players that are on our team, they grew up playing differently. They they went to high school and played differently. They played college, college ball is significantly different mm-hmm. right now. So it's like, you know, you you got to be able to blend the two there. But yeah, I'm I'm very, I guess I'm curious. I would say that's kind of a word, growth mindset, whatever you want to call it. Like, hey, what is the best way in 2023? You know what I mean? You try to figure it out. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I am not, uh, here's my playbook and here's what we're running. I don't think that's the way to go. So what should Cardinal fans expect in terms of how this defense looks? Mm -hmm. Will this defense look a lot like your Philly defenses in terms of scheme, in terms of alignment? Or will they look like maybe something you did earlier in your career? Yeah, we're figuring that out right now. That's a good. That's a good question, Dave. Obviously, we'll have elements of what we did in Philly. Um, but again, my first thing about schematics is it's all about the players that you have and who you're going against. So we're going to try. I don't really care what we look like as long as we're executing at a high level and doing enough on each all three phases to win the game. And that's the most important thing. It's not. Hey, that's I want to look like this. I want to play like this. Like we play significantly different from week to week. That's predicated on who we have and who they have. So, I think that's that's the main point is I want us to be adaptable, you know, and you heard that in my press conference. Like I take that to heart, coaches and players and schematics. You want to be adaptable. Yeah, you have to have a philosophy of what you want to get done, how you want to play a game. But I think that throughout the week of preparation, when the players understand the why behind why you're doing things, I think it helps their learning process. I think it helps their buy-in, and I think ultimately it should help them on game day. You guys obviously had a tremendous defense. Hassan Reddick had some good years before last year, but obviously took it to a new level. Brandon Graham, I think when he came out of Michigan, I feel like his first two years he didn't play much, and he wasn't productive, and he got really good as the years went on. And the reason I bring that up is you've got two guys here in Isaiah Simmons and Savin Collins who – former first-round picks, and you know some fans have already kind of labeled. And obviously these guys are incredibly talented, very athletic. What do you see in those two guys, and what are your reasonable goals for them in year one adjusting to a new defense and a new voice? Yeah, I think they need to be impact players for us, and that's how we're treating them. You know, Both of those guys are extremely intelligent, so everyone sees the physical skill set, but they don't know what they have in their brain. And that's what excites me the most about those two guys is their brain. And why that excites me is is when they can understand why you're doing things and how we're deploying them and different rules for how they are deployed, it allows you to be creative with what you can do with them So and with how they fit into the whole defense. So I'm very eager to, to get those two, you know, going, going. We're, we're doing that right now, but, I, you know, we're still kind of figuring that out a little bit with both of them. But uh, even today we practiced and 
both of them made some big time strides where it's like, all right, I, hey man, like just work on this one thing, and let's get this down before we kind of you know two twenty one a before we go to three thirty one a you know. Sure. And uh, I thought they both took a jump today. So that's good when you see that as a coach because, all right, you gave them something to work on. Hey, I need to see this a little bit better before we do something else. And I saw it today where it's like, okay, there it is. And you can teach, all right, here's what we're looking for. And then you can move on to the next thing to make sure they master that, and then you move on to the next thing. And so, But, you know, it's, those are only two guys that you have to fit everybody, all 11 pieces in together to make the defense good. It's not about one or two guys. And obviously you've got a lot of time to figure that out. you got a whole training camp. Who are some of the young guys early on here that have stood out to you that you really like and what you see in terms of – and it could just be guys that maybe are able to pick things up quickly uh, that maybe weren't high draft picks or guys that were higher picks or guys that have been around that weren't productive that you're like, you know, I think this guy's got a chance maybe with some of the things we'll do with him. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I wouldn't single anybody out, honestly, Dave. Like, we're kind of still figuring that out. I, I do like the rookie class where they're at from a standpoint of learning what we're trying to get done, how they handle their business on a, on a daily basis, the weight room, the meeting rooms, the training room, on the practice field. Um, working on their body compositions, you know, all those things. I think that uh, I'm very pleased with those guys of how they're going about their business. And um, so I'm not going to single one out, but I, I, a lot of them have impressed me so far. One guy I do want to get your thoughts on, and again, I realize it's June 2nd that we're recording this, and there's still a lot to, to be, you know, a lot of time before even camp starts. But my Jay Sanders, somebody that we saw flash here towards the end of last year when he got more reps, what, what do you think so far? Yeah, he's got a unique skill set. You know what I mean? I mean, he's, he can bend. He's, he's explosive. He's got really good feel and coverage, you know, when we drop him into coverage. And um, I think he's, he can be one of our better rushers when it's all said and done. So he's just like everybody. He's got a lot to work on part of his game too, but – He's taken the coaching. He doesn't make the same mistake twice, which I like, because then you can kind of keep moving on. You don't have to keep correcting certain things. But um, I got high hopes for him. I want to ask you about uh, the coaching staff, in particular the coordinators. Obviously, with with Drew Petzing and Nick Rollis, you're you're hiring two really young guys. What's your relationship with those guys? When did it start with each guy? And what got you to the point where you thought, hey, they can run an offense, they can run a defense? Yeah, Drew I met in 2014. He was on Zim staff, and he was uh, came with Norv Turner. So his first style of playing offense was kind of Norv. And then, you know, Norv left, and Pat Shermer took over, and then Kevin Stefanski, I think DiFilippo was in there, then Stefanski took over, and then Stefanski went to – uh, Cleveland and brought him with him and Drew you know went he didn't skip any steps he was a quality control first and he's a receivers coach and he's a tight ends coach and he's a quarterback coach and I always thought Drew was about the right things as far as from a team standpoint character standpoint and um, I was just telling somebody the other day I said I don't have a very large network but my the network that I kind of talk a lot of ball with like I'm selective with those guys that I talk with because I know, one, they'll tell me the truth when I ask a question because a lot of coaches, well, I'm not going to tell you that. You know what I mean? So it's like, really? well, why am I wasting my coaches time? Coaches being yeah. vague? Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> but um, myself included, no, not at all. If you want to you ask me anything, I'll tell you. But, um, but yeah, I just I liked his – I always thought, like, he was curious about the game and, hey, this is how Norv did it, but then I like this is what Shermer did, and then Kevin kind of changed this, and then he was with Kubiak for a little bit. 
And um, I just loved that he coached different positions on the offense and really, I think at the end of the day, had the right answers with how we want to play as a team and as an offense. And so that's why uh, Drew is the offense coordinator here. And then Nick, when I left to go to Indy, they bumped the quality control up to my spot, and then they hired Nick as a quality control. And the guy that they bumped up to my spot, who was a quality control in Minnesota at the time, he's the linebacker coach with the, the Chargers right now. He, I always thought he was really, really good. And he went with Kevin, too. He was a DB coach in Cleveland. Now he's with Brandon Staley in, in uh, L.A. But he, he, I remember him calling me, and he was like, dude, this guy that we just hired is a freaking home run. And I'm like, what do you mean, man? Like, you know what I mean? Come on. He's not, he's not better than me. He's not better than you, right? He's like, dude, I think he's better than both of us and not even close. And uh, so I was like, well, let me meet this guy. You know what I mean? And I remember I, I met with him at the Combine when he was a quality control. So this was probably after my first year in Indy, I think. And I remember I called Gina. I met with him and uh, for about an hour and a half, two hours, and we talked football. And uh, I called my wife, and I was like, man, if I get a coordinator job, i got to hire this guy. Like, he was, he was. He was lights out. So that's what I did. So, And he was with Zim, too, so he knew some of the things that I like to do. And then he was very curious about what we did in Indy, different style of defense, how you guys do that, this and that. And um, so then – when I went to Philly, I hired him as a linebacker coach. He was there for two years. And, um, you know, just talking through him through the interview process, obviously he was with me for two years as a position coach for me. So he kind of knows, you know, how I kind of want to play, you know, how I go about our business, how, you know, what's important to me for a defense. And he echoes those things. But I really think. What what I'm very uh, excited to see is is he's changed a lot already. You know, it wasn't hey, this is the like when he went into the defensive meeting. This is not the 2021 Philadelphia Eagles playbook. Why? Well, because you guys are different than they are. You know what I mean? And the game's different. Or 2022 Eagles is 2023. Like the game's different, and we have different players. So we're going to do things a little bit differently. So. Um, I really like both of their command over the entire unit, their command over the position coaches, meaning with the position coaches, not over them, meaning that you know they know all the details of each position. And I think that they're not dogmatic, to use your word, Dave, is they ask for input. You know what I mean? They use everybody's brain in those rooms, and I think that's extremely important to make sure it's not whose idea. Like, let's just get the right idea and the right way to do it for us, you know. And um, I think it's, it's been pretty cool to watch both of those guys. I, I got about a few more questions. We'll let you go. Uh, I'm curious because most first-year head coaches, when you ask what the biggest challenge is, they'll say it's – after they get through a year, they're like, man, it's all the other stuff. It's the media obligations. It's managing things you never even thought about as an assistant or a coordinator. What have you found to be most challenging so far, realizing again that we're – in early June here, and we're not even near the season. Yeah, I think um, I've had really good mentors. I feel like they prep me for a good job because, like, a, a, you know, someone called me or someone texted me and said, "Hey, how are you holding up?" And you don't know the the tone in a text, right? But the tone of how you holding up is, "Oh, I, I'm sure you're struggling right now with it. whatever is going on of a first year head coach." And I said. I, I literally text back, this is the best job I ever had. Like, it's awesome. You know what I mean? I, I don't mind. I think what I, would, what I would say is there's a lot of balls in the air. 
you know, I was a little late to this. I apologize. But it's like, all right, I'm in with the defense. I'm in with the offense. I'm in with special teams. I'm doing the schedule. I'm talking about hotels with this guy. I'm talking about logistics for camp for this. Like, but I don't, I don't really mind that. I kind of like that. You know, what I mean, you just got to be, you got to be focused and detailed, and you got to take all the information in, and you got to make decisions. And then when you make a decision, we just change something for next week. It says, you know what, this, I'm not, we're not getting out of what I wanted to get out of this. We're not getting out of it. So let's let's put our heads together and change this. And um, I think as long as you can be focused on the task at hand with what you're doing, but then also be able to juggle the different balls in the air, then you should be okay. But there's a lot of things that come across my desk every day that it's like, wow, like, all right, well, let's, let's talk about that. You know what I mean? That's, that's, we gotta, we gotta make a decision on this. You know what I mean? So I would say that just really your time management and, and that's, that's not too much different than being a coordinator or a position coach. Now you do deal with, more people in the building you know that's but i i kind of like that we had monty on last month he detailed draft night and the tense moments (laughs) and i i'm curious your take on it because i I assume you've been in draft rooms before but not as the head coach so what was that like for you it was an awesome experience i said I, i there's no doubt i was more nervous than he was and um, it was it was really cool to kind of watch that process and how it all came about and just you know leading up for two or three months since we've been here talking about the draft and all the things that could happen and what we're trying to get out of it and this and that and then you start doing the mock drafts and where we're we gonna pick and who's gonna be there and who do we want who do we feel good about all those those kinds of things it was like he gave me a hundred scenarios. And the scenario that happened on draft night, we really didn't talk about. Now, we had prepped for it. He had prepped for it. But it was a little bit different with who got picked in front of us and this and that. And uh, it was just really cool. He, he was uh, – I always talk to the coaches about, especially on game day, emotional stability. Like, you got to be, you know, pretty flatline. Football's an emotional game. And, yes, your emotions run hot. But, like, if that turns – if your emotions turn into a negative, then you got to be able to subdue them somehow. And I thought that everything that was going on, phone calls, I mean, three, four guys are on the phone. He's on two different phones. You know, the clock's running down. I'm like, God, this this feels worse to me than a two-minute drive, like when they're getting ready to score. You know what I mean? It was like, holy cow, like, Monty, what are we going to do, man? There's a minute 50 on the clock. You know what I mean? But it was really cool, and he he obviously did a great job. And uh, being the first time he's ever really done that in that seat, um, I think he hit it out of the park. You end up with Paris Johnson. What are your thoughts so far? Yeah, I mean, he's a stud. He's everything that you want in your, you know, your first pick of your regime. I think you know he's a team first guy. You know, he's a versatile player. He's smart. He's got a, obviously a big time skill set, and um, he's he's been really a joy to be around. So I, you know, he's uh, I got he's going to be a really good player. I keep hearing that Kyler Murray has been here early. He's been here often. He's all in. What have been your takeaways in your conversations? Because obviously we, you know, we, we can't we can't know for sure how Kyler is going to be until he comes back healthy. Mm-hmm. But just based on conversations and work ethic and things yeah. you've seen from him, what do you like? Yeah, I mean, you know, as a you know, as a head coach, you got to have a and and I'm not an an offensive guy. I'm not going to call the offensive plays, but you want a big time relationship with the quarterback because the quarterback's the most person that's a coach on the field. I think and just to talk football with him and you know, philosophy of this or what's hard or what's good or, 
hey, when we played you, this is what I was trying to do. This is what I was worried about. That's why you saw this or saw that. Teams are going to try to counterbalance your skill set by doing this. Some teams might play you this way. Some teams might play you this way. And it's just been good to really, you know, connect with him and develop a relationship on and off the field or in the building and out of the building. But um, I know this. He, uh, I'm excited when he gets back because I think he's he's – He's got what you're looking for in the franchise player of your organization, and uh, I think ultimately, you know, he's a he's got fire in his gut, big time competitor, and um, he's he's gonna will his team to win. So I'm I'm excited that he's on our squad. Without putting words in your mouth, I have to assume when you were game planning for him, there are things he does that other people can't do. So that means longer hours for you and trying to figure out okay. We've got to be really concerned about A, B, and C as opposed to maybe just A and B mm-hmm. for other quarterbacks. Yeah, there's no doubt. And you better have those answers before Monday before you play them. You know what I mean? Because it's too hard to try to get that done in five, six days. So that's why you got to research in the offseason and study guys that you know have similar skill sets to them. But, yeah, he presents big-time challenges for a defense because of you know his mobility, you know, and and obviously he's the arm talent he has. He can make every throw and make the right reads and deliver it on time and put it in tight windows. But then, you know, you got to rush him a certain way. You got to be careful about certain pressures when you pressure him, and um, you know he's it's it's he's a he's a headache to prepare for. Last one. Even Bill Belichick takes the cape off, meaning he's got a life outside of football when he's not uh, <laughs> grinding like he does. We see Bill Belichick uh, ha- ha- you know, having extracurricular activities. What are yours? When you're not grinding away, and maybe you know, maybe when before your family was here it was all football. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's changed now because the kids are around, mm-hmm. but what are some of the things you do to unwind, take your mind off of football? You hit it. I mean, uh, the family. Yeah. You know what I mean? I like to spend time with the family. Um, date night's always extremely cool for me. I'm grateful for my wife. But, um, you know, I, I think um, I do do a pretty good job of when I go home, I kind of leave it at home. Now, that that part's changed being a head coach. I will say, going back to your question about being a head coach, like I used to laugh. Like when I was out of the building, all my other jobs, that phone was put away and I didn't have to respond to anybody for the most part. Now that phone kind of rings about certain things. I'm like, ah, I got to take this. You know what I mean? So that part changed a little bit. But I like to play golf. I like to work out. But it's funny about taking your mind off of it because it'll be hole three or four. I'm like, hey, what are we doing in that one blitz? You know what I mean? What are we, you know, what, is that the right thing? Or, you know, when you're working out, that's a good time. You know, I feel like that's a good mental release or to get your brain going a little bit. And it's like, you know, you schedule 45 minutes for a workout and it's like it gets 30 in and you're like, man, I, I need to go like watch some tape right now because I just had an idea or something like that. So, um, but I, I do think like uh, you do want to stay balanced, and I think that is part of if if people say I have pretty good energy, I think that's part of it. You know what I mean? I'm I try to get enough rest. I work out. You know what I mean? I think that's part of your physical. I just we had um, Coach Peterson in here from you know Boise and Washington. He came and watched practice mm-hmm. today, and um, it was really cool to hear. You know, obviously a long time successful head coach, and he was like, "If I said, what you got for me, Coach? Like, give it, give me the answers." You know. And um, he had some really cool things to talk about, but he was like, you know, the people that 
I don't want to say aren't successful in the job, but they, you know, the pressure and there's all this stuff going on, this and that, and they're not really healthy humans. And that kind of hit me. I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, you better work out. You better sleep. You better, because that impacts your emotions, how you handle people. That impacts your energy levels when you're with the players. Like, and they see that. They see you walk into a meeting dragging butt. Well, what do you think they're going to do? You know what I mean? So um, I do believe in, in trying to stay fully functioning, mental and physically healthy to do your job the best you can do it. So, But play a little golf, shop a little bit, go out to dinner, play with the kids, lift, weights. That's about it. So along those lines, in closing, will you have a routine set up, a schedule for in-season of, okay, I need to make sure I'm getting – X amount of sleep. I need to make sure I'm up at this time, working out, making sure I'm setting aside, I'm compartmentalizing, setting aside time just for the kids, just for my wife, still doing date night. Do you have that all planned out? Yeah, yet? but I think you got to go through because I had that planned out as I was a coordinator for in, in 2021, and it changed after week three. I was like, no, I got to restructure how I'm doing things. You know what I mean? I'm not getting, you know, whatever it was. So, I think that'll be a little bit of a learning process for myself. And even when you develop your process and what you're convicted on, what works for you, I think that always kind of can change a little bit. You know, I thought like after kind of like the middle of the year, my first year as a coordinator, I kind of changed how I was doing a couple things early in the week and that helped me. And then, you know, then I figured like my second year as a coordinator, I kind of changed early in the year about what I was doing. And um, I think that you can continually get better a little bit at all your process, you know, and, and it takes some time and an experience does help you there where, all right, I did this for four weeks and I felt like this. I need to, you know, adjust this. Or I need to put more time to this. Whatever it is, I think that's the main thing is, is stick with your process, what works for you, but don't be able, don't be afraid to change it when you know that you think you can tweak it to get it a little bit better. Well, again, I think the thing that stands out, Coach, just spending time with you is your energy, your passion, your love for your job. Uh, yeah. I think people appreciate that. When coaches love their job yeah. but that yeah. they are relatable and friendly, which you are both, uh, it stands out. So I really yeah. enjoy this and no, look forward to get to know you over the course thanks, of the year, Coach. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. it. Appreciate it. All right. So a snapshot there of Cardinals' new head coach, Jonathan Gannon, something to whet your appetite as Cardinal fans before we get into training camp and then, of course, the 2023 season. A lot of great stuff there from JG about his coaching philosophy, some of his mentors over the years. I loved his story about draft night, being in that position for the first time as a head coach, and also the respect he has for Monty Asenfort and watching Monty make that trade on draft night to get Paris Johnson. We are presented by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Resorts and Casinos. You can follow us on Twitter, at PashPod. We also would appreciate if you would rate us, review us, tell us what you think on your favorite podcast platform. Hope you have a great summer. Hope you enjoyed our conversation with Arizona Cardinals head coach, Jonathan Gannon.